0: Thanks for joining us again, and let's get to the service. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Hopefully you caught on if you're new or visiting, that my name is Angus. I'll be delivering the message this morning. If you're new, if you're visiting, if you're joining us online, a very warm welcome to you guys. Hope you feel at home here. Just a reminder that if you are cold, grab a blanket. There's plenty of blankets around. Uh, It is a bit fresh in here, so absolutely no shame if you need to go grab yourself a blanket. That's what they're there for. Well, excuse me. So if you are new, if you're just joining us, if you weren't here last week, we are making our way through a brand-new series called Yesterday, Today and Forever. And in this series, we are looking at a couple of different characteristics of God. We're not going to look at every single characteristic of God because that means we'll be here until the end of the year. So, we just picked out a couple and we're just going to focus on about three different characteristics of God through this series. Last week, Josh spoke about faithfulness. Faithfulness. There it is. God. Is a faithful God. Oh, I lost it again. There it is. We looked at a passage in the Old Testament when God reveals himself to Moses and describes himself as being faithful. He is a God that will do what he says he will do. And we see that throughout the whole scriptures. The entire Bible is filled with different stories of God being faithful to his people, following through on his promises to Abraham, to Moses to David, to Jacob. And that's the same God that we worship today. Like we sung in that song, the God of Jacob, the God of Moses, it's the same God that we worship here in this place today. God is faithful, He keeps His promises, and He is someone that we can put our faith into. And this allows us to live our lives in a way that is more courageous, that is more confident, that is more peaceful. So that was last week. And this week, we're shifting gears just slightly, and we're looking at God's goodness. But the whole idea behind this series is that the way we see God actually matters. It makes a difference in the way that we live our lives. And so the way in which we see and understand God actually matters. So we need to make sure that the way we're seeing God is true and accurate to the way that he describes himself in the Bible. Does that make sense? it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to believe in a god that didn't actually say he was the things that we're believing and so we need to make sure believing what's true and accurate to who god says he is so today god's goodness if you've been around church for i'd argue any amount of time you probably would have heard the small little phrase god is good right we've all heard god is good but i feel like it's almost become a bit of a cliche i don't know about you guys but sometimes i just kind of say it without really thinking about it Now i get a good car park and i say oh god is good or you know i like to play video games in my spare time if something good happens to me in my game i like to say oh god is good you know if if you're a parent and the kids go to sleep without a tantrum maybe oh god is so good yeah, <laughs> I heard a yes to that one. <laughs> so I don't know about you guys, but I, sometimes I feel like I just kind of say it without even really thinking about it, without really meaning it, and that's okay. It's not—I'm not criticizing anything, but it just makes me wonder. You know, do we actually believe that God is good? How much do we actually believe in God's goodness? And when we look at the Bible, when we look to Scripture. There are so many different passages different verses that speak to god and his goodness you can open up the psalms and almost every single psalm has some kind of line about god's goodness even in the laments you know when david or one of the other authors is just pouring out their pain their their sorrows they still find a way to say god you are good well praise be to you god in the book of james we read every good and perfect thing Comes from the Father. So, how much do you believe in God's goodness? How much do you, do we believe that God has the best intentions for us, that He cares for us, and that He loves us? How much do we actually believe that? And I think the answer for a lot of us here today is, it depends. You know, it changes from season to season. If I'm getting every single green light on the drive home, I think God is fantastic. If I'm having a good week at work or I get more money back at tax time, God is good. God is fantastic in those times and it's really easy to believe in God's goodness when things are going really well, yeah? When when our life is just ticking the boxes and everything's going well, it's so easy to think, yeah, you know what? God is a good God and he does care about me. But it would be remiss of me to stand up here and say that life is good all the time and that it's easy to believe in god's goodness all the time because let's be honest sometimes life sucks sometimes you do manage to cop every single red light on the drive home sometimes work just keeps beating you down sometimes you owe the government money at tax time That's happened to me before, it's not good, I hated it. It sucks. But sometimes it's also much worse. Sometimes we've lost a job. Sometimes there's been a family breakdown, a relationship breakdown, a friendship breakdown. Maybe we've lost a loved one. Life sucks sometimes and it just isn't fair. And it's in those times that we can often lose sight of God's goodness. Because even when we pray and we ask God to come and give us some kind of sign or some kind of miracle, sometimes all we're met with is silence. When we're struggling and our heart has been shattered into a million pieces, it can be really, really hard to believe in God's goodness. Oh, how about this one? when you've been trying so hard to be a good Christian, you've been trying so hard to read your Bible every day, to pray every day, to do all the right things, and still nothing goes right. But then old mate Jack over here, he's been doing absolutely nothing wrong, I mean nothing right, he's been doing everything wrong, nothing right, and everything goes his way. How is that fair? How is that God being good? How many of you have been asked or even thought, if God is so good, then why do bad things happen? Why are there starving children on the brink of death in third world countries? Why are there diseases like cancer that still run rampant in our world? If God is so good, then why do bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people? And so in a time like this, I wish that Josh was here. And I could say, hey, Josh, can you answer that question for us? But alas, he is not. And so you're stuck with me. But as a chaplain at a school, I get this question a lot. And I've wrestled with this question a lot myself. And, you know, I think it's something that we all have to sit with and wrestle with and ask ourselves and ask God. You know, God, if you are so good, blank, insert your tragedy. So that's kind of where we're headed today. That's kind of what we're looking at today. And I do want to preface that this topic, this conversation, one, it can be a really hard conversation and it can be one that can bring up a bit of negative emotion, negative feeling, and that's okay. It's okay to feel that, but if you do need to step out, that's all right. Hopefully I won't come to that. But the second thing is, this topic is a very broad, large topic that I cannot cover in a single sermon, and Josh can't cover it in a single sermon, otherwise we'll be here until dinner time, which I'm sure you guys don't want. I don't want to sit here and talk for eight hours. But entire books have been written about this topic, and so I'm not going to be able to answer every question or scratch every itch. You have surrounding this topic. So, if you walk away from this message still having questions, you know, still not fully satisfied with everything, that's also okay. You know, happy to chat with you after or send Josh an email. You know, that works too. But that's kind of where we're headed. And so, we're just going to unpack a little bit about God's goodness and how God can still be good even when life is tough even when life sucks, God is still good. So let's jump into it. John chapter 11 is where we're headed today. Hopefully it's on the screens. I didn't get here in time to organize it, but um, hopefully it'll be up there. If not, you know, just listen to the wonderful sound of my voice. But um, there will be quite a bit of reading today. We're going to be making our way through a lot of John chapter 11, so just bear with me you know if you need to get the wriggles out do a bit of stretching now's your chance any takers not just me all right wonderful so bear with me guys from verse one here we go now a man named lazarus was sick he was from bethany the village of mary and her sister martha and this mary whose brother lazarus now lay sick was the same one who poured perfume on the lord and wiped his feet so straight away, you know, we can, we can see that this family was already known to Jesus, right? Jesus knew Mary, he knew Martha, he knew Lazarus, who was sick. Jesus knew them, he was good friends with them, he loved them, he cared for them, right? So the sisters, Mary and Martha, they sent a message to Jesus. And it says, Lord, the one you love is sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus, the sickness will not end in death. There it is. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. We're just going to pause there for a second. Now, this can be a little bit confusing, right? A bit like, Jesus, what do you mean? I'm sure his disciples were a bit like, Jesus, you know, your friend Lazarus, the one you love, he's sick, he's dying. He's dying. Shouldn't we go to him? And Jesus said, nah, we're going to hang out here. And even to us today, it's a bit like if you love someone, if you care for someone and you heard they're really unwell, you'd want to go and be there, at least for the family, right? You know, this can be a bit strange. But it brings up an important point, an important truth, for us to understand, it's a difficult truth, but it is an important truth. You know, it is true that God loves us, and God hears our prayers. Just like Jesus heard Martha and Mary in this story, God hears us. He hears our prayers when we cry out to Him from the depths of our heart, the depths of our soul. He hears us in those times, just as He heard Mary and Martha. And just as he loved Mary and Martha, he loves us as well, so deeply. But just because God loves us and just because God hears us, he does not promise to do what we ask on our terms and on our timeline. I'll say that again. God loves us, God hears our prayers, but he never promises to do what we ask on our terms and on our timeline. And I know this can be hard. And this can be a difficult thing to digest because if God is really good and if he really loves us, wouldn't he give us what we want? And the answer is yes, with an asterisk. (laughs) Because we can't expect him to work on our terms. You know, if God gave us whatever we wanted, whenever we wanted it, he wouldn't be God, he'd be a genie and we don't worship a genie now take this for example here in adelaide the afl showdown crows fans port fans both sides praying for a win can't have both the best you could do is a draw and that's not an answer to anyone's prayer i'd argue that's worse But also to diminish God to just a divine being that can dish out whatever we want whenever we want it that that's not fair you know that's that's not why we worship God right we don't worship God because he gives us what we want that's not where our faith lies our faith isn't determined by how many of our prayers are answered it's determined by the hope that has been given to us through Jesus and his death and his resurrection on the cross And that is the true reflection of God's goodness, yeah? Not to say that God doesn't answer prayers, because he does, but sometimes it's God's goodness that requires him to say no, or not yet. I don't know about you guys, but I've prayed for stuff and if God had answered that prayer, ooh, yikes. I remember in high school, there were some girls that I liked, I prayed to God to let me date them I'm glad he didn't answer those prayers (laughs) because I've found something so much better now. (laughs) She hates that. She hates it. But I know for a fact I wouldn't be where I am now if God had answered those prayers, right? And I think I'm better off now because God said no to those prayers. That's what's happening here in the passage with Mary and Martha. He's saying... I'm not going to answer your prayer just yet because something better is coming, right? Let's continue. So a couple of days go by and we pick it up in verse 7. Finally, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. So this is after a couple of days. But now his disciples object. They say, but Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you and now you want to go back. So Jesus says, all right, we're going back to Judea. And the disciples say, whoa, hold on. They want to kill you. And that means they want to kill us. Are you sure about this, Jesus? And Jesus responds, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. It's a bit of a weird thing to say. But what he's really getting at here is actually quite important again. He's saying that he is the light. Jesus is saying to his disciples, I am the light. I am with you right now, and right now it is daytime. Right? Just as there is only a short time where the sun is out, Jesus is saying to his disciples, I'm only going to be here for a short amount of time. It is daytime right now because I am with you. And while it is daytime, while I am here, I want to show you things about myself and about God. I am the light. And so I'm going to reveal to you some things about God so that when I'm not around, when it's nighttime, when it's dark, when you're stumbling, you can remember what I reveal to you in the light so that you can stay on course in the night time. And you will know that God is faithful and God is good. Even when life is tough, even when you're stumbling, even when you don't know what's really going on, you can hold on to the truths I showed to you in the light. Does that make sense? I'm getting some nods. That's good, that's good. Let's keep going. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. And the disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. Well, that's a pretty reasonable response, you know. When you're sick, when you're hurting, sometimes you just need a bit of a nap. You just go to sleep, you'll feel better in the morning. But Jesus had been speaking of his death, and his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, guys, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes I'm glad I wasn't there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Jesus says that I'm going to use this moment to bring the glory of God. I'm going to use this moment in time to demonstrate God's goodness. I'm going to use this to build faith. And then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of his disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas says, The Jews there want Jesus dead. So let's go and die with him. You know, we're all going to die, guys. Write your wills. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, this is an important point because back in the day, there must have been quite a few instances. Of people being buried alive and so they sort of had a three-day probation period for the dead and in these three days they would kind of check in and make sure there were no mistakes and say, they still did yep all right cool and if after three days the person was still dead that's it that's curtains game over go home everyone they're done and Jesus arrives after Lazarus had been dead for four So at this point, they were like, yeah, he's gone. He's not coming back. Um, The spirit is gone. He's, He's dead. This is what Jesus was walking into. And nobody's expecting any kind of resurrection, any kind of miracle. It's a hopeless situation for these people. Jesus and his disciples arrive. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Martha says to Jesus in this moment, where were you? If you had been here, you could have helped. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. You could have healed him. You could have cured him. Where were you, Jesus? I needed you. We all needed you. And we can all get a bit like this sometimes, can't we? Maybe it's just me, but I know that I've reached out to God in anger. When things have just hit the fan and I've been angry at God, saying, where are you? My life is not going the way I want it to. Where are you? Why aren't you helping? Some of you already know this about my story, but growing up, I cannot remember a time before my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. Growing up, all through childhood, I really struggled to remember a time before She was going through that. And when I was about nine or ten, we started going to church. She came to faith. My dad came to faith. Me and my siblings came to faith. And her cancer was cured. And it was an answer to prayer. It was fantastic that we celebrated. It was awesome. But then after another year or two, the cancer came back. And it was even harder than before. And after another grueling, a couple of years of chemotherapy, sadly the cancer took my mum's life. And I remember just being angry at God in this time. And I said, God, where are you? My mum believed in you. She loved you. She did everything you wanted. You know, she prayed, we prayed, we all prayed. And yet, she still died. Where are you? Where have you been? So I don't know about you guys, but I know that I can relate to Martha here. I can feel Martha's pain saying, where are you? Where have you been, Jesus? I ended up walking away from faith for a couple of years after my mum died. But I've got to give it to Martha that That last comment she makes here, it's just a true testament to her faith. She says, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. What an example of faith. Even with her world crumbling around her, even when she's angry and frustrated with Jesus, she still wants to believe that he is who he says he is. She still wants to believe in his goodness and his faithfulness, even when her life is tough. And at the very least, what this paints for us is that it's okay to have doubts. You know, it's okay to be angry. God can take it. You know, God doesn't mind being a punching bag every once in a while. Not all the time, but every once in a while, God, th- God can take a couple punches. And we can still maintain faith even when we don't understand what's happening. But look at Jesus' response coming up. He doesn't berate her. He doesn't condemn her. We keep reading. He said, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. So Jesus says to Martha in this moment that he is above the pain that she is currently experiencing. Everything that she's going through right now, the pain, the anger, the suffering, the frustration, the sadness, the sorrow, he is above all of that. He says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Even when life is tough, I am still good. He continues, the one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Then he asks Martha, Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is come into the world. It's important to note here that Jesus never says, The one who believes in me will live a painless life without misery. I'm sure you'll wish it did. I wish he said that. But that's not a promise that Jesus makes. In fact, nowhere in the Bible are we ever promised a life without hardship. Never in the Bible are we ever promised a life without suffering. Jesus says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. The person who originally preached this message spoke about this thing called an even-though faith. And I'm going to steal it. An even-though faith is a faith that chooses to believe in God's goodness and His promises, despite all the bad stuff that might happen. This is the kind of faith that God and Jesus offer to Martha in this moment here. But it's also the same faith that's offered to us today. Jesus offers us a faith that says, even though this world is broken, even though there is sin, even though your heart might get torn to pieces, I am still God. Even though life will get hard, I will still show up. I am still good. I am still greater than whatever circumstance that you're facing right now. God never promises a life without pain. But what he does promise is that he will be with us in our pain. When we are suffering, God will show up. And God will be there. And we see that in this passage when we keep reading. After Martha had said this, she went back in and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. It's the same thing that Martha said. Mary's feeling the same pain. She's wrestling with the same questions. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some others said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? I just want to draw your attention back to that line, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. We read that Jesus sat with Martha and he sat with Mary. He sat with the other mourning people and he wept. He sat and he cried with them. He sat with them in their pain, in their suffering. We read that he was deeply moved and he was troubled. And he does the same for us today. It can be easy to look around and try to find God when things are going wrong and when our world is caving in around us, but the truth is God is with us. Even in our pain, God is with us. And that is God's goodness at work. Our absence of happiness does not mean there is an absence of God. And it does not mean that there is an absence of God's goodness. Our absence of happiness does not mean there is an absence of God or an absence of His goodness. God is with us in our pain just as he was with Martha and Mary in this, Let's keep reading. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he'd been there for four days. Jesus, he stinks. You don't want to go in there. dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face and Jesus said to them take off the grave clothes and let him go how are we doing you still with me yeah that's good I'm I'm seeing some nods so at least some of you are still with me that's all I can ask for we're almost there Now, the least helpful thing that you can take away from this message is that by believing in God, we all get a second chance at life when we die. Now, it's true that we get eternal life, but we don't get a second chance at this life when we die. It's it's not very likely that God's going to come and give us a literal resurrection when we're on our deathbed. He might, but if that's your takeaway from this message... That's not what I'm getting at. (laughs) That's not the takeaway. The message to take away is that God is good, even when life is tough. Yes, we will go through hardships. And yes, life will suck sometimes. But God is good through it all. And it's in his goodness that he sits with us in our pain. And it's in his goodness that he draws purpose and meaning out of our pain just as he sat with Martha and Mary in their pain and he drew, drew purpose out of their pain. He does the same for us today. It might not always be clear straight away. He might not understand it straight away. But God is still good. Like I said before, our faith should not be one that is determined by how many prayers God has answered. It shouldn't be determined by the promises that God never made us. You know, God never said that we will be happy all the time. God never said that our life will have no problems. Those, Those things, they don't determine our faith, right? Our faith should be determined by the promises that God has made us. And the promises that God has made us that he is faithful it's that he is good it's that he will show up and be with us when life is tough when our heart is hurting god will show up he will be there our faith should be determined by the promise of eternal life that god gave to us when he sent his son jesus to die on the cross and he was brought back to life that is god's goodness What other God or person would willingly come and sacrifice themselves for a broken, sinful creation that he knew would take that for granted, that he knew would end up sinning again? And yet, even in our sin, he still chooses to love us and he will do it all again. That is a good God. That is God's goodness and that is what we hold on to as Christians, as followers of Jesus. That is the goodness we hold on to. Even when life is tough, we know that our God is above it all. Amen? Let me pray for you guys. Beloving God, we thank you that you are a good God. Father, we thank you that you are a God that in our pain, in our sadness, in our sorrow, Father, you will show up. Father, we thank you for your goodness through sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for us in the greatest display of love that this world has ever seen. Father, I pray for all of us, that even when life is tough, even when our prayers aren't being answered, and even when we don't understand, when we're angry, when we're frustrated, when we're crying out to you, God, where are you? Father, I pray that we could hold on to what you did in the light. Father, I pray that we could hold on to your promises and your truth that you show to us in our life and through your son, Jesus. And we would know that you are good. Father, I pray that our faith wouldn't be one that's built on the answers to prayer, but Father, it's a faith that's built on the hope and the truth and the goodness that you give to us. Father, help us to keep our eyes on you and your love for us. So Father, we give you thanks. We give you honour. We give you glory. We give you praise. Because God, you are faithful. And God, you are good. In your name we pray. Amen.